Thank you for the prayers and um, thank you for just uh, being here. Uh, yeah, as Pastor Jen mentioned, I'll just briefly, um, uh, yeah, she's just been ill and we're going to Children's Hospital and um, figuring things out. Um, and so we are grateful that uh, we have all these resources at hand and um, we will definitely um, keep you in prayer uh, and up to date as well as you pray uh, for us too. Um, but um, yeah, she's doing good this week. It kind of comes and goes and um, kids, you know. So um, it's, uh, it's a, a blessing um, to have all of this and have your prayers, all right? Well, we get to this uh, wonderful section. If you've been in church, you know the story. Rahab, prostitute, helps the spies, and uh, Jericho is gone eventually, and we know that. But I, I don't know if we really fully grasp that. Now, chapter 1, God calls Joshua to a new calling. Moses wandered for 40 years. Joshua is going to go fight battles. Wandering is a lot easier than fighting battles. Wandering is just following the um, pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. They're wandering. But Joshua is going to go fight. People are going to die. It's going to be scary. And so he tells him over and over to be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. He's going to do this. And now this is his first act as leader. He sends two spies. I don't know if this was a, a prudent move, if this was a courageous move. I don't know if this was a, a, a move out of fear, but he sends two spies. Joshua is a military man. That's his background. He sends two spies to Jericho. Now, can you imagine for a moment if you're the two? Imagine if out of this whole place, we're going to go fight a city. We're going to go fight um, Santa Ana, right? We're going to go to war with Santa Ana. And, uh, and we say, we need two. And, uh, we're gonna, and you know, at the moment, uh, Joshua said, we need two people. Everyone's eyes are looking down like, oh, not me, not me. And the two gets called. And they get sent. And families are now saying, oh, why my child why my brother why my husband why my dad why did they why does he have to go and the two go and can you imagine now what the story might look like if if it wasn't for God's providence God's hand upon them that Rahab wasn't there now they go now this was what would have happened they, from what we know as they get there, the king of Jericho, the small, heavily fortified city. One commentator talks about how the king of Jericho was like a little a mayor, uh, uh, kind of like a tyrant, an insecure one who knew everyone that came in and out, who was so afraid that someone would infiltrate their city. They built this wall, and he knew everything. And it is impenetrable. Can you imagine if they get there? And in chapter 2, it tells us that they, that the king, they already knew that these men were here. They knew where they were. They knew every, uh, you can imagine, the, the, the network of the secret service and everyone else that's there working for the king. They know who's coming and who's going, who's talking to who. And so what would have happened is they would have gotten caught. And they probably would have been killed. And that news would have gone back to the Israelites, over a million of them or so. And that fear would have spread throughout all of them. Can you imagine for Joshua's confidence what that would have done? God, you just said be strong and courageous. No one wants to go. Our spies have been killed. 
what are we going to do? Let's say the spies are shrewd enough to make it back. They somehow get back. But this is what they would have said, right? The report from the spies would have been, this is, it's so fortified. Physically, the walls are so big. It's so hard. We're, we're not going to get by there. Secondly, they already somehow knew that I, we were there. So they know we're coming. So we can't even sneak up on them. How are we going to go and overtake the city? There's no way. It's impossible. I advise against it strongly. Can you imagine if that all would have happened? If it wasn't for God's hand upon the story, uh, the fear of the people would have spread. It would have spread everywhere. There was an article that I read about the, uh, the spread of fear in the USA Today. There was a column that was written, and it talked about how... Um, you know, in the 80s, it was about AIDS and the, the, the disease of AIDS and, you know, along the way, SARS. You remember some of these things that were in the media? That you're going to catch SARS and you're going to catch uh, Ebola, right? There were movies made about these things, right? Um, that uh, you're going to turn into zombies and, you know, you're, you're gonna, like, it's over. Like, you can't go. And there's stories of how people wouldn't, uh, there was a pizza man who wouldn't go to the hospital where there was a patient who had uh, Ebola because he didn't want to go near there. And there's these crazy stories. And, um, you know, now we've recently, oh, the Zika virus. I can't go anywhere outside of America because the Zika virus, right? And the fear, though, uh, we, we, the media uses this because the fear, it works, and if you want people to spread the news, you have to scare them. And that's how people are. That's how people are today. Can you imagine back then, the word would have spread. They said, the walls are so big. They're waiting for us. They know every person that comes in. There's no way. That's what could have happened. But what we see is what we call uh, God's providence. His hand is upon Joshua and his people. God's providence, um, J.I. Packer um, sums up that doctrine this way. He says this, the doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are never in the grip of blind forces, fortune, chance, luck, fate. All that happens to them is divinely planned, and each event comes as a new summons to trust, obey, and rejoice, knowing that all is for one spiritual and eternal good. Uh, Providence teaches us there's no luck, there's no chance. Somehow God brings the people into our lives. Somehow God brings the circumstances our way. Somehow God brings the difficulties our way. And then he allows us ways out because it is going to be for our spiritual and eternal good. And so we see a story about God's providence here. The person they meet. Now, can you imagine this? These are two men. Um... I would imagine them to be strong, young, highly trained, um, brave, courageous. They're going to go. And they're going to try to sneak into the city and see what it's like. They go there, and the person who encourages them is a woman. Not only a woman, she's a prostitute. She's living on the outskirts. She's living literally on the wall because society won't let her in. She has to go to the edges. She's literally on the fringe of her society. And people look at her and say, you, you cannot come near my kids. We cannot have you near our gathering place. You cannot be near these things. And so she is pushed out as far as possible to the darkest parts where you don't go, where kids don't go. You don't want to go when the sun... And she is out there on the edge of the wall 
where if there was an attack, you'd be the first to go, and she's living there somehow. And they somehow scramble into her place. The story goes that she hides them. Man, it's interesting, right? Because the king's men already knew. Somehow the land already knew, whether they had a vision or a dream, they already knew that the Israelites were coming. Right? Um, they knew that they were coming. And so uh, she already knew. And she had this unique faith. And God uses her to strengthen these two people. God uses her to strengthen all the Israelites back home. God uses her to give Joshua ultimate victory in his leadership. God uses her. And this is a fascinating story. We, we cannot just run through this without grasping that fact. And we see here that she has, it's, it's her faith. The faith that she has is the same faith that we all have today. The faith that she had here in God is the same faith and the same God we have today. And so it ought to encourage us to say, boy, if God can use someone like her, God could use me. If God could use Rahab, God can use me. If she could trust, God teach me to trust. And there was so much that we could gain from here. One is this faith in God produces courage. It makes us more courageous. It makes us do the right thing. It makes us to step out. Um, when no one else will. It produces this courage. We see it here. In Joshua 2, verse 3 through 5, the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. And let's pause here. Um, the king sends a message. We, we already know that they're here. We know how many there are. There are two. We know what their purpose is. And they came and they're in your house. Bring them out. Now, let's be honest, all of us, if, if you were there, you'd be like, oh, they're right here. You know, I was, I was arresting them for you. Like, do I get something out of this, right? Um, I was making sure you didn't have to deal with this. Oh, I got them. You know, do I get something from this? And really, we look at this and go, gosh, how would, I, how would I handle this? Can you imagine the fear and the trembling um, in that movie, uh, Inglorious Bastards. Right? If you're like blood and guts and stuff, you enjoyed it. If you don't, don't watch it, okay? Um, and don't leave church because I mentioned that, all right? But it, it's, you know, I, I enjoy that movie. Um, I enjoy all, all, all of those types of movies. Um, uh, there's that scene in the beginning, right? Um, the tension. Colonel Hans Landa comes in. He is known as the, the, the Jew hunter. And he comes to France when it's now taken over. And there are these farmers right, in, in France that have now hid their Jewish neighbors to protect them. And he comes over, and there's this big, burly farmer who is there. And he looks like the brawny guy. You know, He's there. He's with his daughters. And he has all the Jews now hiding under his house. And this guy comes over casually, um, really a small man, and he's laughing, and he seems pleasant, but there's something so scary, and he's walking in the house back and forth. And there's a, just a tense, the tension there of that scene. And you can see they show the, the, the people hiding, and they're looking up through the cracks. And he's walking back and forth, and he sits down, and he asks for a cup of milk, and he drinks the milk. 
And you're feeling the fear of the farmer and the people hiding below. You're feeling that the whole time. I mean, it's made so well. And, and then the, the guy says, let's, let's switch to English, from French to English. And they speak in English so they can't understand what they're talking about. The farmer pulls out a pipe. He pulls out a bigger pipe, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he does these little things. And then he um, calls them out. And eventually the farmer is so terrified, he says, okay, they're, yes, they're here. And this is a, a big, strong man. Can you imagine? This is really what happened here. I don't want to gloss over that. This is what, how much her courage was, that they come into her place, and they say, we know that there were two of them here. Um, there are eyewitnesses everywhere, spies everywhere. They're here. They came to stake out the land. Now let's hurry up and give them up. And she says, oh, no, no. You know, they, they, they left they snuck out, you know, and before, you better get them before the walls, the, the gate, we close the gate up for the walls before uh, nightfall. You better get them, you better get them. And she hides them on the roof. She has nowhere else to hide them. She hides them on the roof and covers them up. And we see her courage in this way. She's mentioned in Hebrews 11, in the list of those who are faithful. And she did all of this by faith, we're told. Verse 11, by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is, this is the faith, the courage that we see here. Can you imagine now if you were one of the two spies in the roof? It is like the scene out of that movie. You're in there, you hear everything. You're trying not to even breathe. And the soldiers come in saying, give them up, where are they? And I'm wondering if at that thought, they thought, oh, it's over. It's done. And when she now steps up in courage, you know, her faith in her God is really, it's the same God that we believe in. That means God could make us like this. The faith in God produces this kind of courage. Can you imagine how encouraged these strong men, these spies, these military guys, the, one of the, the, the two you know, most qualified out of the Israelites, how much that they gained, how their fear started to dissipate as they saw the courage of this woman. And they see this here. I want to encourage us that we, we, should, be, we should be courageous. You have no one to fear. Joshua told them back in chapter 1. He tells Joshua in verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. We went over that last week. Um, no one is greater. And now this might come in the form of the person at work, the person who has power over you at work, or someone who is uh, related to you that's given you a difficult time, and every time you think of them, it gives you a stomach ache. You don't know how to deal with this person, or there is someone that personally dislikes you, or whatever it is, we ought to have courage. And it might be someone who is now against what you believe. You still ought to have courage and be able to speak up in this way. The second thing that this faith that she had produces, it's this action. She acts, 
right? And she says in verse six and seven in chapter two, but she had brought them up on the roof, hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way uh, to the Jordan as far as the forts and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. So before nightfall, they run out and she takes this action. You know, our faith is not just something we keep within us. It's not just something that, um, oh, we just kind of keep it in-house. It's private. But our faith is something that ought to make us do things. You know, James also in the New Testament mentions her and uses her as an example against all those who say, hey, long as I have faith, that's all that matters. And he says, even the demons believe that there's a God the fruit, the actions you take. What do you do? What is your faith causing you to do? And then he says in chapter 2, verse 25 of James, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. And she was justified. The works was the proof of her inner faith. The works was not a requirement of her faith. The faith was not a result of her works, but the works was the fruit and the proof of her faith. So you have a faith, and you really have to ask yourself, what does this prompt me to do? What do I do with this faith? And it has to prompt us to act. Um, whenever, and I feel like God, the Holy Spirit, prompts us along, along the way. Oh, you should say this to them. Or you should, you should say a prayer for this person. Or you should help them out. Um, and a lot of you have, have had those moments. And it's easy now to think of all the inconveniences and say, I, I just can't do this. God, oh, not right now. It's just not the good, best of times. You know, this rain reminds me. Uh, and I think I've shared this before. But, you know, I was at a retreat speaking for a bunch of college students about... Uh, eight years ago or so, kind of on the eastern uh, mountains at, uh, in San Diego. And, and so I did the morning sermon, you know, and I preached. But I remember the whole time I was really just dissatisfied with the retreat coffee. Like everything about a retreat is, you know, I'm like, Lord, you know, and these kids are so excited. And I'm like, I'm just mad about the coffee. Like, this is not coffee, Lord. Um, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They don't know how to make coffee, God. You know what? So I remember I was like, I can't wait till I'm done and I need to hurry up and I need to preach because I need to go down this mountain and there's a Starbucks right at the base of the mountain. And it was like three or four miles. I was like, I need to go. But it was pouring sideways. So I preached. Um, I can't remember exactly what I preached on, but I preached and, you know, and everyone was like, wow, what a godly man. Wow, pastor. You know, and inside I'm like, okay, amen. I got to go get my coffee now. Um, I can't talk to you guys, I, I gotta go. And they think I'm going to pray or do something. I'm trying to get some coffee. So I'm now driving down this mountain, pouring sideways, and then I see someone walking in the rain up the mountain. So I was like, what in the world? And it was a woman. And then I look carefully as I'm going by her in my warm, dry car headed to Starbucks. She's walking up the hill. She has a baby in a carrier, and she has a toddler on a stroller and they're wet, and they're walking up the mountain. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I haven't had God speak to me audibly, you know, in my life, but it was like God was like, hey, hey, guest speaker, what are you gonna do? 
hey, Pat, you know, and as I, I stopped on the side of the road and I'm looking at her, I was like, what do I do? I didn't, and I didn't think this out carefully, but I pulled up right beside her and I rolled down my window, not even all the way, cause you know, it gets wet, so it's just like this much. I'm like, it's gonna mess up my, and I was like, hey, hey, and I said, get in my car. And she's like, no, I'm like, just get in the car. I was like, I'm a pastor, just get in the car. I have kids, just, you could put them in my car seat. Let me just get you where you're going, because I need to go to Starbucks. Like, in my interior, get, get in the car, get in the car. And she's like, I'm not getting in the car with you. And I was thinking, yeah, that's kind of scary. It's only us. And so, and I was like, whoa. And I, was up, and I said to her, I said, what are you doing? I said, well, why are you out here? And she was like, who are you? Like, <laughs> like, and she just started walking off. And then I was like, and I backed up. And I was like, no, please. I was like, what can I do to help you? And she looks down. And she's eyeballing my brand new umbrella. I had bought an umbrella because it was gonna rain. I was so excited, I bought, you know, one of those big golf umbrellas that you could put a whole family. It had the vents, like it could be a tornado, it'd be fine. And she's looking at my umbrella, I'm looking at my umbrella. I was like, oh, I, like, I just bought this, you know? <laughs> you don't know how frugal I am. It takes me a lot to buy something. And I was like, just take this. I said, like, if you're not gonna get in a car, just take this. And she's like, are you sure? I go, just take it. You know, like, this is, you know, please, just take this. And I gave it to her. But, you know, I'm driving away looking, and then I see her open up the umbrella, and I see her going. Um, we get prompted, I think, all the time. I think it is our faith that says, hey, you should, you should go talk to that person. You should go say something to them. You should, you should go and, you know, say something nice to them. You should, you should go and offer your umbrella to them. I think it, it, we're prompted, and I think it happens in big ways and small ways, and I, I think about it. Some of us, aren't, aren't, haven't we been encouraged by those who are weaker than us? Haven't we had times for the moms and dads who are here where your children have been the one? Mom, come on, we got to get to church. Let's go. But the little one says, Dad, why are you worried? Let's just pray. And you're just like, you know, they're the ones telling me. And I'm the one that I should be telling them. And we've been humbled in this way so many times. But it ought to lead us to some kind of action in this way. Rahab the prostitute justified by works. The works that she did was the proof of the faith that she had. Don't try to fight it. Don't rationalize it. God, you want me to do this? God, I should help this. I should give this. I should do this. Don't say, ah, you're not. No, 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 no. Go and do it. Can you imagine now, these two guys, they head back. They head back to their place. And it's interesting because at the end of chapter 24, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 20, uh, verse 24 they get back and they report now and the words that say is they say is uh, you know this land's given to us it's there for the taking and their attitude is completely changed Joshua says so how was it oh it's 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 theirs it's ours already because there's a a woman that was there who had encouraged them with her faith and they said well if God had placed her here, and she is so certain, and she makes this confession of faith that the Lord God is in the heavens above and the earth beneath, uh, way greater than this earthly little king in Jericho. I believe in the Lord. And they said, well, 
It's there for the taking. And this is the same language that God had spoken to Joshua. The land's already given. Here's the inheritance is already given. Just go and get it. It's already marked out for you. And by God's providence, by God's loving hand, he says, here it is. And they go back. And they do God's will because of someone like her. And we see that her faith, this faith that she has, is a faith that saves her. Um, it tells her at the, in verse 18 um, about the scarlet uh, cord or the rope that she was going to tie from outside of her window. So when they would come to invade, they say, ah, leave them alone. We're going to take over everything else. Leave them alone. And they're all saved. Her father, mother, siblings, all of their families. So her nieces, nephews, siblings, parents, their whole household is saved by the scarlet rope. We now have the advantage of the whole Bible, this, the red scarlet rope that brings salvation to the house. It reminds us of the, the red blood on the doorpost where the angel would pass over and they would save it. It reminds us of the color of the blood of the animal that was on the mercy seat that would now bring forgiveness to the people of Israel. And obviously it points us to Christ whose red blood comes and it makes us white as snow and it saves us. This is the powerful faith that we have. And we possess this faith and it is only logical that I would put my trust, I would have courage, I would take actions, I would say this faith is real, that we would trust the Lord God over the heavens and the earth versus, oh, here's a king of this place. Here's this situation. Here is this hardship. Oh, here is this risk. No, the risk is not trusting in the Lord God. And so I want to challenge us today that we would Trust God in this way, in a great way. Um, and remember that the faith that she has and the God that she trusts is what we have. And so this day, if there is someone walking around outside and you have to give them your umbrella or you need to go and do something, and God is saying, yeah, you should do this. You have the means to do this. I hope that we would and that our faith would carry us this way. Let's pray together. Um, God, we are just humbled because, um, Lord, we, we read of people like Rahab who we think we are so much better than. But, Lord God, you, you use people like that. And, God, we, we have so much more. All she had was a roof, and that was it, to hide people. We have so much more, and yet we're so much more fearful. And so um, give us an understanding of the faith that we have. Guide us along, Lord. And so, Lord, we want to trust in you, and we want our faith uh, to be lived out in this way. Uh, we thank you. We thank you also for the, the Rahabs in our lives who have encouraged us along who have guided us along. Um, so we thank you for them.
those who have brought us back to you, those who have brought us to do something, those who encourage us to keep serving and giving. God, uh, we thank you for them as well and help us now to be that encouragement for others. We don't know who we will impact by helping one person as we saw here. So we thank you. And we thank you for the faith that saves us all. The power of that faith we trust, God. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.